Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Maniac Cop and Psycho Cop. Now, if it was Maniac Cop versus Psycho Cop. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. There are 3,000 restaurants in this town. I have one in my mind. I'm going to tell you I don't care and be mad at you if you don't pick that one. No, see, me and Amanda have been together long enough that I just know that if she's like, oh, I don't care, and then I have to go, okay... I guess we're playing this game. Uh, so, what kind of food do you not want? And that helps start narrowing it down. I like to imagine that you've you've used Excel and developed a pad that's kind of like you're playing Clue, like where you just start like <laughs> slashing things off, and you're like, okay, she wants a Bloody Mary at the Burger March. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just easier. And then sometimes I go, okay, well, here's three choices of three completely different types of food. Which one do you want? And sometimes the answer is none of them. Yeah, yeah, that. They all sound okay. Yeah, I don't care either God one. Damn it! <laughs> Pick one. I usually just recommend we go to a bar where I know a couple of my buddies are already sitting at the bar drinking. They're like, well, we can go there if you want. No? Well, then wherever you want to go. Then you pick something else. Now, now we've got a disgustingly, deliciously greasy chili parlor about two blocks away from the house that just opened. I don't think I want to go to anything that's labeled as a chili parlor. It doesn't oh, sound right at it's all. so good, dude. Dude's chili parlor? So good. <laughs> It'll clean you out, though. <laughs> you, gotta be, you gotta be prepared. Let's, let's move you gotta, on. You gotta be prepared for the aftermath of the chili bar. All right, we're not we're not having this discussion. Just, uh, I hate to put my foot down, but I got to bring us back onto the topic of movies or something. So that did you guys hear that? Chili parlors are an American pastime. Did you guys hear that some rhino poachers were eaten by lions after they broke into a wildlife reserve? I did. Fuck them. That's right. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's poetic, right? Just let them go. Let them die. It's fine. Yeah. Like, I don't feel bad about it. It's like, you knew, you knew the risks, and you're a giant douchebag, so I only wish they would have had, like, one of the Trump brothers with them. Yeah, like, I could play devil's advocate and say if the people who died were, like, Poor people who were starving to death and took on a guiding job to lead the douchebags in there. That maybe there's some room for sympathy. 
but I don't know the details, so. Nope, fuck them all. That's what I say. I just want to say, like, I, I'm not the type of person who would wish harm on even, even my worst of enemies, but if there was a news story that Don Trump Jr. got his neck broke by a fucking hippopotamus, I'd be like, good on that hippopotamus. <laughs> Oh, like, I love fucking hippopotamuses now. I uh, now I kind of want just a new story about anybody get their neck broke by a hippopotamus. <laughs> well, all you have to do is go to uh, BBC and look up the news from Africa because hippopotamuses kill a whole lot of fucking people. Yeah, they, yeah, do. they don't break their necks. It's not like they have like a system of like a system of pulleys, and when the humans go by, they like snag them. <laughs> Break their necks, <laughs> hang them from the tree. It's a warning to other humans. <laughs> Stay out of our fucking river. <laughs> you think it's like the opening of like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where, where, like the the tribesmen are like leading them somewhere, and they find they they like push the brush aside and see a human like hanging up, and they're like, "Oh, hippopotamus, no!" And they all just go running, running. Yes, I do think that. Awesome. <laughs> I want it to be true, anyway. I'm a little sad that there aren't more hippo-themed horror movies. There should be. Like a Razorback type of movie, but with a hippo? Ooh, yeah. On the Amazon? Rabbit, rabbit hippo. I just don't yeah. think hippos look intimidating enough. I don't know. If you see a video of them actually coming after a boat on a river when they, like, fully open up their mouths and shit, they're pretty horrifying. Plus, they fart out of their mouths, so that would smell horrible as you were getting eaten. Oh. That's a think... weird fact I didn't need to know about. Someone well, told me that once, and I just assume it's true, because why would I, why would I question that? It's way more fun if it's true. Uh, I don't think it is true. Oh. Damn it. Because there's a video of, what what is it, Fiona the Hippo from, like, Cincinnati or some zoo? I don't know. She's born in a zoo. Everybody seemed to watch her live cam all the time. And there is footage of her swimming and farting out of her butt. Now, the real sad thing is because she was raised in a zoo and not in the wild by her parents, she has no <laughs> idea how to build a hangman's nest. So. <laughs> like, PETA's going to break in there and teach her how. <laughs> she can be released into the wild. Yeah, coming soon. Fiona. Killer, killer hippo movie. There's... There's also that a uh, video of the hippo shitting and swinging its tail a million miles an hour, flinging <laughs> hippo shit. Uh, looks looks an awful lot like uh, like it just had some chili parlor chili. <laughs> Christ, Doug, right. what, what do you tell us what Maniac Cop is about? <laughs> um. Alright, so Maniac Cop is about a uh, maniac cop who is going around killing people, and he's killing white people, so everybody thinks it's a little weird and disturbing. Um, it, you becomes, know. it becomes a giant crisis they have to fix immediately. Yeah. So they call in the only person you would call in in the 80s, which is Tom Atkins. Fuck like, right. Come on, man. Gotta do something about this. Um, mustache on the phone. Yeah, they've got Tom Atkins and his partner, which is his mustache, because he <laughs> there's no indication that anybody else works on this case except him, which is kind of funny. Um, but basically, he realizes that this 
might very well be a cop. Um, he's instructed to kind of not go down that path and certainly don't let anyone know that it might be a cop involved. Uh, so he leaks the story to the media, which causes quite the uproar. Uh, results in one police officer being actually killed when they're just trying to do their job. So the police force arrests Bruce Campbell to try to make it look like he's the one that's doing it. Uh, he's like, hey, they said he had a big chin. I bet it's this yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a little more complicated than that. The, the actual killer sets him up, and we can we can discuss that whole thing because it's kind of neat, actually. Uh, but basically, it turns out, I think this we can go full spoilers here, that it's actually a formerly celebrated police officer doing the killings who was, um, after after being you know very well praised, it was found out that he was actually much too brutal and was... Uh, thrown in prison for police brutality related charges and kind of the politicians made him directed him into general population on the assumption that that would get him killed and so he when he was attacked he was not actually killed and now he's back as maniac cop and he is kind of killing at random trying to take revenge on the society that he blames and it may or may not be undead it's not really clear. I was going to bring that up during our discussion. Um, but anyways, yeah, it ends with him going after all of the police officers that he holds directly responsible for his situation during, is it a St. Patrick's Day parade? Yes. Something like that. And uh, Sam Raimi is covering for the local news. Yeah, which is really funny. Because at first I'm like, holy shit, they got Ted Raimi for a little role in this? Oh no, they didn't! I got all excited. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it turns out that he goes after everybody. So now everyone knows Bruce Campbell didn't do it, so he's free to go. And they have a big battle at the end. Everyone thinks Maniac Cop is dead, but Maniac Cop might not be dead after all. Well, spoiler alert, Doug, there's two more sequels. So yeah, I know. I know. He's not dead. <laughs> he's not dead or undead or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's the first, I think, just the first topic of conversation we should have is. What is the deal on Maniac Cop? Like, so the guy's in prison. We get the full like flashback scene of him being attacked in the shower. Mm-hmm. They cleverly edited out all the dicks, so we didn't have to see dicks. And then he's like all slashed up and bloodied and everything. But he's not quite dead, or he's brain dead, but his body's not dead. So somehow he's still alive, which doesn't really. I think when you're brain dead, I think your body shuts down unless you're hooked up to like a breathing machine and stuff. But not his. And so I don't know. Is yeah. he the medical examiner is a little cagey on how all this went down? He's just like, well, he he still had some minor signs of life despite being brain dead. So I turned the body over to his girlfriend, and then somehow he's just back, like a couple of years later. I think this was uh, shot during the time where technical terms like a persistent vegetative state were not used. That was okay. his brain. Okay. <laughs> But it doesn't really like he I mean, doesn't explain. Saying, 80s, 80s movies were stupid. We we can all admit that, right? They were made but, for dumb. Yeah, but most of the time they have a little bit of an explanation. Like either the guy is supernatural or he's not. And in this movie, it's like I don't know at all <laughs> because he's like he's able to take quite the beating. I think he gets shot a few times. He gets shot in the head twice. There you go. 
So that's why I'm saying uh, my assumption is either undead or they make the same assumption that most human beings do that Robert Sadar's head is in fact bulletproof. Look, I'm just saying he got shot so many times, Donald Pleasance runs out. He's like, I shot him six times. When they were casting this movie, do you think they intentionally went in with, they were like, let's cast this guy with an extremely recognizable chin and pair him off with this other guy with an extremely recognizable chin? Oh, yeah, I feel like like at the script writing stage, they were like describing the chin in the script, like, yeah, we need it to be very noticeable. We need it to be these, these two particular actors. We don't care which one's cast in which role, but they have to both be on set because they're the only two that look like this. Uh, and then they got to go up against Tom Atkins, which is a losing yeah. situation for just about anybody. It's funny, though, because you'd be like, the story would be like, well, we need like these two actors for these roles. Exactly. Who's going to play the detective? Who do you think is going to play the detective? <laughs> Get me Tom Atkins's mustache. <laughs> it's like the most obvious casting choice ever, but it works. What's really Tom funny Atkins is, is great in the movie doing his Tom Atkins thing. What's really funny is I was scrolling through Facebook earlier and there was a meme of Tom Atkins and it's, you know, just quotes from the movie but it's like a girl sitting on the bed and he's like, well, I mean, I could, guess I could go sleep in the car. And she's like, well, where do you want to sleep? And he's like, where do you think? And then the next picture shows them kissing. Yeah. And I actually take a second and go, well, I guess I'm going to have to look and see who the female is to figure out what movie this is. Because this pretty much happens in every Tom Atkins movie. <laughs> Turned out it was Halloween 3. I was going to say that sounded like Halloween 3 to me. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't. I didn't know if it was that. Possibly The Fog. Yeah, I mean, it, if you had said some other movie, I wouldn't have been in shock. <laughs> so have you guys seen Maniac Cop before? Like, lots and lots of times, or only a few times? I'm assuming this is a first-time watch for nobody. I think it's a, think it's a few times. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those ones I always mean to, like, go back and rewatch it, and then I get distracted with other things. Uh, I've seen it a handful of times. Uh, weirdly enough, I... Uh... Saw, I think, part two before I saw part one. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think it was one of those. It was like years ago, but it's one of those where there was nothing on TV and I was flipping through cable and I'm like, oh, Maniac Cop 2 is about to start. I haven't seen the first one, but I always kind of wanted to see him and I'm sure I could probably watch it. It's probably fine. I bet you I can pick up on the plot lines, (laughs) all the little intricacies. Yeah. So then yeah, I, I think it, the first one. I think this is only a second time watch for me, and I have not seen the sequels. I don't think, but maybe if I sit down and watch them, I'll suddenly remember that I have. Um, I would find it odd that I have not seen the sequels, but I can only remember part two, so maybe I actually haven't seen the rest of the series. Mm. Oh, we'll add those to our list of movies to do, just so we all have to watch them again. Yeah. So I've seen the other two. Um, I think I want to say Jack Earl Haley's in one of them. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but they do go full blown uh, undead Jason Voorhees in the, uh, oh, really? in the at least in the third one. I don't remember. I don't think it's that crazy in the second one. But well, I feel like by the time you get there, you kind of yeah, <laughs> you kind of have to. You know, if, if you're in part three, then you can't just still be pretending he's human. But anyways, what did what did you guys think of this one? 
watched it this time. Uh, still a lot of fun. Still enjoy it. Um, I guess since I sort of know what's going on, I, sometimes I do feel like the it was Bruce Campbell part of it does drag a little bit. But that's just because I already know that it's definitely not Bruce Campbell. So it's like, why, why are they wasting so much time talking to him in lockup? Like, let's get all the good stuff. I kind of like all that because this this movie has a lot of shit happen in it. It's like compact, a lot of stuff going on, and it's very non-traditional because like the person who sets out to be the hero of the film, like dies halfway through the second act, and then you transition into a character who wasn't introduced until about halfway into the movie. Yeah, it's certainly more complicated plot-wise than most slasher films, uh, which I think keeps it interesting. Like, Even though the whole time you know it's not Bruce Campbell, it's not necessarily obvious how that's going to play out. And if it wasn't Bruce Campbell, I don't think you would assume that he's going to be a hero by the end of the movie. Like you would assume he's just going to get killed off somewhere along the way. Yeah, it's that's fair. Pretty pretty difficult to kill Bruce Campbell, so we know that they're not likely going to be able to do that in a movie. But yeah, I, I think it's handled pretty well. I think the the whole like the whole thing of a slasher killer that actually tries to frame somebody else to take over to take the the rap is kind of interesting, right? Like because you can't imagine Jason or Freddy doing that. Like it's just. Well, I mean, technically, if Freddy did that to Jason, then Freddy versus Jason. Well, no, Freddy got Jason to do killing so that Freddy would get the blame. He didn't try to yeah. divert blame from killings that he had done. No, he tried to divert the blames from Jason to himself. Yeah, that's a little different. Trying to take credit <laughs> for extra kills is one thing. <laughs> Trying to pass off your kills as somebody else's work seems like an anti-slasher behavior. Most of the killers right. are very proud of their uh, killings, which I that is where this film like it's because he is trying to pass the blame on to Bruce Campbell's character, but then when it doesn't work perfectly, immediately he just goes into a police station and kills a bunch of people and hangs their <laughs> bodies all over the place to be found, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, yeah, he's like, this is taking too much fucking time. Because it really at that point. The police are still blaming Bruce Campbell. They think he got out of his cell, killed all these people, and hung them like that. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, no. cops, cops in the 80s were dumb. <laughs> Once they thought they knew one guy had done it, they just attributed everything to him. <laughs> according to the movies I watch, anyway. I don't know. I will say, I do feel like the the female lead of the, of the movie, whose name I'm blanking on. The... The officer that was having the affair with Bruce Campbell's character. Yeah, yeah. She definitely gets short shrift in this movie. Think so? Uh, yeah, because I mean, she's a cop, but then anytime she sees a dead body, she just screams like crazy, and I'm like, well, she's a cop. She yeah. should probably be better than that. And then, and then the scene where like she's in the interrogation room with Bruce Campbell when shit starts going down, and then. Uh, he gets up to go check it out, and he's like, no, you wait here. And I'm like, but she's a cop who's not in jail. Maybe you should take her with you to help you with the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely yeah. noticed that. It was like she played the like damsel in distress, but yeah. she's, she, and she's not just a cop. She's like a, 
a vice detective who goes undercover as like a hooker every night and deals with like the types of people who are picking up street side hookers. She's That's definitely going to have some toughness to her. And at one point, Bruce Campbell said she's a hell of a marksman. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, no, no, you stay here and let the men handle this. I love the fact that this movie plays into that weird old superstition that if you ask a cop if they're a cop, they have to tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because she fully lets a guy go just because he's like, are you a cop? She's like, that's the magic question. I can't arrest you for just talking to me then. Have a nice night. <laughs> Which I don't. I mean, I uh, guess. That's, that's yeah. complete bullshit. Yeah. Cops, cops will tell you that's completely bullshit. Yeah, it clearly is. Did anyone think it was weird that really the only differentiation between her cop persona and her hooker persona was crimped hair? <laughs> That's all it takes. Yeah. Crimp that hair. It's like, well, I'll throw some money down, I guess. That's, I feel like the message is sort of like, well, that's how she became a vice detective. It's because she's hot enough that people would pay for that. <laughs> I mean, this is... Like people want to hit that. Movie. You'll make a good cop. <laughs> this is like a Larry Cohen movie. They're not known yeah. for strong female roles. You know what I mean? Totally. It's. Uh, I'm surprised there's no boobs in this movie, though. Yeah. Listen, the main character's cheating on his wife, but it doesn't matter because she's a crazy woman. <laughs> but, kind of, yeah. We'll kill her in the first act and no one will grieve. <laughs> I think it was the second act when she was killed. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> in the interest of fairness, when they randomly oh, introduce, oh, like, the... Yeah, I was going to say, on the other hand, she was introduced in the second act. <laughs> yeah, she's killed within ten minutes of being introduced, and she's strictly there to advance the Bruce Campbell storyline. But, you know. Yeah, it is weird how, like, the first third of the movie is literally just, well, here's a montage of maniac cop killing killing criminals for no real reason. Well, not even criminals. There's lots of innocent people being oh, killed. Oh, that's true. But, I mean, they're so fun to watch that who cares? That one guy gets his face buried in cement, and that's how he dies. <laughs> It's fantastic. Cut to them having to jackhammer, jackhammer him out the next morning. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's a great way to kill a guy. That's very original and unique. Because like the first kill is just the typical like every slasher movie has one where you just crush the neck with your bare hands, which I think is a lot harder to do in real life than it is in slasher movies. Maybe. Have you ever tried? No, do you guys want to hang on for a minute while I? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to assume we're all super positive on this movie. Yeah, you know what? It's like it's not a like a great movie, but it's a really really fun movie to watch. Mm -hmm. And there's like enough of a plot that it's not just like every other slasher out there, which is nice. And I think I enjoy it. Each time I rewatch it a little bit more, for some reason, I'm not sure why. Uh, I think it's because I appreciate the oddity of it. Yeah, it is a very like it's a unique film to have like like because it is a slasher for all intents and purposes, but your main characters aren't just a bunch of kids. Your main characters are the cops doing the investigating, and you still have the the cops that are completely inept and incapable 
which is a typical thing in slasher movies. But in this case, you've also got good police officers that are actually looking into the crimes and actually want to solve them properly. And some of the stuff, like too, like with with the mayor and his corruption, like that's it's not an in-depth political movie, but it is more in-depth than you expect from Maniac Cop. When you hear that title, you don't expect there to be a discussion of corruption in politics in New York City mayoral offices. And apparently it's a big thing. So it's... I was going to say, of all the things you do expect, you do expect them at some point to say the phrase Maniac Cop and almost look directly into the camera, (laughs) and they do not disappoint. (laughs) Of course. Are you saying it's some kind of maniac cop? <laughs> it like, does somebody hold up a newspaper at one point too that says "maniac cop" right on it, like in the headline? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I think they even do a fourth wall joke because they say "maniac cop" and then they say something about, "Well, that's a crazy idea for a story." You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's talking to the reporter. She said yeah. she's going to write about it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that angle too. I like the idea of a cop that, like, because coming out of the '80s, reporters were so vilified. They were always like the investigative reporter was always gonna was always chasing the hero, trying to reveal their story. And here, it's like, no, we turn to the press and give them this information when they can help get the word out there to, to actually protect people, which was kind of neat. And again, I think like this movie had all these interesting ideas in it. But when it came time to be a slasher, it still hit the mark. Mm. And then, you know, Tom Atkins, Bruce Campbell. It's, it's hard <laughs> to make a bad movie with those guys in it. Robert Zadar. Don't you skip over Robert Zadar. <laughs> now I shall always skip over Robert Zadar just because of that reaction. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. The guy has a very limited filmography due to the fact that he pretty much was restricted to playing villains with big faces. Aww. Rest in peace, Robert Zadar. Yeah, he was so awesome. Should we mention the gimpy girlfriend that Maniac Cop has? Yeah. It's... She, does, she does beat the holy fuck out of the one cop with her cane. <laughs> Fantastic. She was actually a funny character because she's like, they played her off as this like old lady librarian type. And then when it comes out that she's in on it with Maniac Cop, and you're just like, what? Unusual. And then we kind of get in the background all these stories, and it's like, oh, well, she, the reason her leg is like that is because she tried to kill herself when, the, <laughs> when, the, when her boyfriend died or whatever. And you're like, well, this is a this is an interesting twist that you're taking here because <laughs> I thought she was just going to be a like a an exposition type character because they go looking originally Tom Atkins goes to her looking for information right and yeah. I thought okay she's just going to be the one they go to and they're like get me the records on this and he just brings them whatever right yeah she's definitely set up to be like this respected person on the police force because like he's never met her but he's like yeah I've heard of her I mean. She's a great police person, or whatever. And then, yeah, it turns out her entire being is like wrapped up in being Matt Cordell's girlfriend. And it's hilarious too when you finally see her with 
Cordell. And she's just like yelling at him. And she's like, look, I love you. And I've always got your back. But you've got to stop killing random innocent civilians. <laughs> it's like, I, I feel like at that point, you got to look beyond your infatuation. And you got to say, maybe it's time to end this relationship. <laughs> Did, did you guys think it's weird that the, the description of once once the uh, idea of Matt's character, you know, the, the dead, quote fingers, dead cop, comes in, when people are describing him, it doesn't sound very accurate the way they're describing him. They're like, no, he was this real sweet guy. He was also the type of cop that would plant evidence and shoot the motherfucker in the back of the head. <laughs> he was my hero. And it's like, wait, did you just... You just said he's the type of cop that was murdering like people without <laughs> trials. Yeah, and I think that if this were a more serious movie, and they were interested in delving into these types of topics, that would be a morality lesson that was built in. The idea that you know you shouldn't raise these people to the uh, to the stature of hero just because they're getting things done if they're doing it sort of by any means necessary that you need people doing things the right way. But on the other hand, that's not what this movie is. So, Because it is all the cops are like, yeah, he was my hero and he got screwed. And it's like, well, by screwed, you mean convicted of crimes that he committed? Like, because that's not... <laughs> yeah, they probably he probably didn't belong in general population or whatever, but he was in jail. There's no indication that it's like he was framed or anything. He was just doing illegal things, which is should be frowned upon, especially in the police force. Oh. You would think so. Huh. This is yeah, the NYPD I, you're talking about. I'm trying to re- understand the reputation of NYPD at 1989. Cause, it was not good. Yeah, cause, but back then, this is when everybody was really harking on the LAPD. That's what most of the bad press was about, right? Yeah, but New York. So New York had this this horrible, horrible, horrible problem with crime, uh, pretty much all the way up until nine eleven. And after that, and I think a little bit before it, they they actually reorganized the police force and came up with an entire new system of working neighborhoods. And like crime has plummeted since then, and it's this super liberal hippie ass. You know, a cop is assigned to a neighborhood, so a neighborhood has one specific cop that all interact with all of the time. It's just, it's all, it's all really cool. It's pretty interesting to read about. Oh, all right. I'll read about it one day, but... <laughs> yeah, back when Giuliani wasn't completely insane? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Mm. It's just fascinating, because now, now it's fun to watch old movies, because in the old movies, you know, that. New York cops had this like they're crooked and violent and crimes run amok and all this kind of stuff and especially now because that's just not accurate to the way things are you see New York cops and they're all you know blue blood fucking I'm gonna save the world cops anyways this this movie is clearly trying to do the the transition and trying to bring the quote-unquote good cops who are trying to do the right thing and make them the heroes, right? Because Tom Atkins' character, he's the one that, you know, despite his method of releasing stuff to the press, he definitely wants to pursue the killer cop angle when nobody else wants to admit that it's a possibility or 
is more concerned with the bad press that would result. And even, like, Bruce Campbell's character, he is, despite the fact that he's, like, cheating on his wife at the beginning of the movie, they play him up as though she's, you know, once Maniac Cop does him the solid and kills her, then uh, <laughs> he, he is definitely, like, he's always trying to protect his girlfriend and he's always trying to do the right thing. And even when he ends up, like, breaking some of the rules to get out of jail, it's to try and stop the killer and protect people. So they're they're trying to make the cops into heroes, even while acknowledging that they're not perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's very much known that Cordell was set up in prison on purpose. So yeah, there's still the bad cops, but then yeah, we get the we get Atkins and Campbell who are trying to do things the right way. We might be getting a little too in depth into this movie. I think we, I think what we're supposed to be doing right now is giggling over which one of the kills was our favorite. So. Surprisingly enough, just the cop who gets shot in the face by the lady. It's that a really good uh, <laughs> uh, head explosion. She's like, you're not getting me. <laughs> Shoots him straight in the face. It's funny because he leans down and you're like, oh, he's nice looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because what's handled really well there is that they let me sure the audience knows there's no chance that that's Maniac Cop, right? We all know. <laughs> she doesn't. Nope. What's not handled as well is the idea of they're supposed to be telling us that the city is paranoid and that, you know, this isn't the first incident of people pushing back against legitimate police behavior and all this stuff. That's what they're trying to do, and they don't do a great job of it. They just kind of go straight from the, like, Atkins drops off the press kit to that one lady at the bar, and the next day it looks like the guy's getting shot in the head. <laughs> but again it's it's the 80s it's a slasher movie him getting shot in the head looked awesome and that's what's important <laughs> what's your favorite kill Doug? <sighs> might have been tom atkins going out the window because what i liked about it was how he like banged him off the walls a bunch of times before <laughs> tossing him out <laughs> and it was it looked really good despite the fact that i watched like a youtube version of this movie the fall looked good and I'm like, I'm sure you own the Scream Factory Blu-ray of it. Uh, I don't. Tell me. There isn't one. Oh, there isn't one? Okay. No. Sorry. Uh, Blue Underground did one. I don't own it, but it's on my uh, Amazon list. So. Well, but I'm, I'm sure in HD that that, <laughs> that fall looks great because if it looks good in crappy version that I watched, it must look mm. better. Yeah. Um, I think uh, probably the cement one is mine. Yeah, and it's, and it's only good. it's only good because they cut to the next morning when they're having to jackhammer the guy out of the cement. It is pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, it's hard in this movie because there's so many good ones. Because even like with the cement one, you get the guy running down the street with his handcuffs, hands uh, handcuffed behind his back, and you're like that's pretty cool like this is going nowhere good and you still don't see the cement coming it's like that's that was a clever ass kill uh oh i was incorrect it's synapse we put maniac cop out okay and then blue underground did maniac cops two maniac cop two and three (laughs) so did you guys watch the original cut of maniac cop or the extended cut 
Uh, probably the same one you watched on YouTube. Because I think we watched the regular cut because it didn't involve the mayor getting killed off at the end, which is apparently in the extended cut. I don't remember seeing that. Oh, I remember seeing that. Oh, then we watched it, and I wasn't paying enough attention at the end. Yeah, it was like the very last thing where he's he's talking, and then the guy leaves his office, and then it pans over to you see feet behind the curtain, and then he steps out, and then you just hear something off screen. Okay, so I because I'm reading the yeah Wikipedia, I was thinking that Yachi had to see the kill, and that's not an off screen thing, but no. Yeah, so I like that. I like the idea that Maniac Cop, because at the end of the day, he is going after the corrupt politicians and stuff. He's not all bad, and he gets his final little kill in. I like yeah, that. Not fucking mayor. He's yeah. like super sleazy. That that actor does a great job of playing like '80s sleazy guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know him from something else too, but I don't know what it He's is. In, uh, the Running Man, isn't he? It's like one of the sleazy lawyers that makes Ben Richards sign a contract. Maybe, Maybe he's the one that Ben Richards like he signs it and then jams the pen in and the contract stuck to his back. I think that's uh, him. He plays in like uh, I'm not saying Law and Order specifically, but those shows like Law, Law and Order, he tends to play the sleazy defense attorneys. Yeah, mm. yeah, like sleazy is his. That's his like little niche that he can pull off. I'm not sure if he acts in other things, and I just don't know about them because he does a good job. But he definitely has this uh, this type of role down pat. I'm trying to find him on IMDb. Hi. You heavy breathing there, now? That's the dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure it is. Everything's the dog's fault these days with you. Son of a bitch. <laughs> you can't be up, you asshole. I've told that dog that several times today. I've been like, we can't be friends today. We don't get to be friends until I get sleep. Yeah, I'm sure the dog really understands that. He doesn't. He does not. Mm, he just yeah. wags his tail at me. I can't seem to find him on IMDb. He's not listed in anything that jumps out as shitty mayor of New York. It's not. Did you try it? I'm assuming you're on the Maniac Cop IMDb page. He's not listed. Seems like he had a significant enough role that he would have. I know. I'm down to like motel manager and stuff, and I don't see anything that's like mayor. That's kind of weird. Now you now I oh, here, he here he is. He's listed as mayor, and then parentheses uncredited. Why would you be uncredited? Oh, uh, he really is. In, he is in the Running Man. Yeah, is he the guy that gets the uh, thing stuck to his back? It just says agent under his name. I'm gonna assume that's probably it. Yeah. Um, he's apparently also in RoboCop too. I'm gonna assume playing a very similar character to his other yeah. characters. I feel like that's who he plays in most. So it's kind of his thing, and good on him. Just stick. Um. Yeah. All right. Anything else about? Maniac Cop, other than it's freaking awesome. No, I think, yeah. I think that's the full story. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's awesome. <laughs> it's it, it nails all the slasher stuff really well, the kills and all that. But then it also has other stuff going on, which is kind of interesting. 
kind of like a, a police procedural and a slasher uh, together. So I think the police procedural side of it would probably be a failure without the slasher side of it. But who cares? It's not, oh. That's not what we're here to talk about. He was uh, Principal Flutie on the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, that's who he was. Yeah. Get eaten by the hyenas. <laughs> and it's always fun to see these movies where you get to see uh, Bruce Campbell doing something besides snarky Bruce Campbell. Mm. Yeah, when, he's when, actually right? he's actually pretty good. Like when he goes into like hero mode at the end, he's like kind of action hero guy, and he's doing a good job of it. You kind of wonder why he didn't get more roles like that. Because the man was holding him down. <laughs> oh, okay. So I didn't know about that part. So <laughs> <laughs> those goddamn a... Hollywood fat cats. This guy was in a movie called Gas Pump Girls. Awesome. June and her friends take over a service station formerly run by her uncle. <laughs> they perform every trick in the book to attract customers. Hey yo. I'm sure that's a fantastic movie. Nineteen seventy what? Nineteen seventy four. Okay. I, I think we all know what kind of tricks they do. Nineteen seventy nine. I was I was wrong. But yes. Alright, well, we all loved Maniac Cop. Uh, I think we would say it's pretty much like a uh classic sleazy uh, slashery movie. Um, now we can go to the other side. And Noah, why don't you tell us about Psycho Cop? So, <laughs> what we have here is uh, a group of teens slightly more rich than your typical group of teens <laughs> who get murdered off. Uh, going to stay in a lovely uh, summer house. Uh, and they're harassed by a quasi-supernatural obnoxious cop who worships the devil? Yep. <laughs> so, just because we're so good at teaming up movies, they're both about a killer cop. We knew that part. They're both about a killer cop that may be supernatural. Maybe not. Hard to tell. <laughs> they're both they both open with the cop doing his first kill, which is pick a woman up by the neck and squeeze until it collapses on her. <laughs> Uh, similarities start to uh, differ at that point (laughs) I still agree to the fact that uh, Robert Zadar despite the fact that he doesn't have any spoken lines is a much more charismatic villain (laughs) yes Uh, (laughs) awkward evil cop laugh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the the titular psycho cop would have been much more intimidating if he'd shut the fuck up <laughs> I mean 90% of this movie is that cop making weird quasi pun cop references half of them aren't even like pun references it's just him saying normal things but thinking they're clever yeah it's a- do you need an officer? <laughs> Laura. That's that's not really a thing. That's not it's not a joke. It's just, just a question. I do like the fact that somehow they gave they gave him the uh, the Jason power where no matter how fast you run through the woods, he's faster than you. Well, I I assume I was gonna say I think, but I don't think. I assume <laughs> that what they're trying to do is say that because he's worshiping Satan, he has 
things. Yeah, like whatever supernatural powers are convenient for the movie, but they don't get that across at all. <laughs> so it ends up being just a normal dude who gets shot, but it doesn't affect him. He gets a fucking log thrown at him and it goes right through him. It still survives somehow. Spoiler alert. Okay, sorry. Spoiler <laughs> alert for Psycho Cop. Uh, I feel like anybody who was going to see Psycho Cop has seen Psycho Cop. I don't think we're mm. changing anyone's minds on this film today. Uh, I think the easiest way to explain this movie is uh, the soundtrack's bad, the acting's bad, the plot's bad, the writing's bad. Uh, the cop's bad. The, the special effects are bad. Bad. I don't know if all and, the special effects are that and bad. And at the end of the day, man, I have a lot of fun watching the Psycho Cop. Man, this is such garbage. It's so garbagey. It's just fucking hilarious. The acting's so fucking bad. Ah, look! 666. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, another one. 666. It's so... This movie is so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, though? I, I have to say, I don't... You're right, objectively, all of the parts of the movie are terrible, but overall, I did not not enjoy watching it, and I don't think they were trying to do something other than what they did and failed. They were trying to make like a cheesy, low-budget slasher with a couple of fun kills and a good little reveal scene with all the bodies and trying to hit those very standard marks for an 80s slasher, and they hit them relatively successfully. The kills are fun to watch. Again, man, this movie was terrible. I will say that there is a one fairly good reason to watch Psycho Cop, and that's because you're going to watch Psycho Cop Returns afterwards. I, I I didn't watch it. I watched the trailer though, and that does make me want to watch Psycho Cop Returns because that looks like a fun slasher movie. No, it's, it's it's so much better in in like every fucking way. Well, it's directed by Adam Rifkin, so I'm not surprised. And I think, I think part of part of my complaint about the first Psycho Cop movie is it's clearly, clearly a fucking exploitation movie that they forgot to get exploitative on. <laughs> like they didn't like there should have been like boobs and, and more blood and just over the top stuff. Did, you know what I mean? Did you guys find like when because you, you're bringing up boobs like this? movie was oddly like non-sexual considering it's an 80s slasher it's not even necessarily a bad thing it was just like like when they were all by the pool one girl's wearing a one piece and i'm like this is an 80s direct video slasher <laughs> what is happening and then when all the girls are like getting up to like go check something out they all put like covers on i'm like i mean i know in real life i know in real life that that's what women do but in slasher movies that's not what they do what is happening and there's like one scene like a little while later where two girls are in the bathtub together for no reason whatsoever and i feel like it was halfway through shooting and they're like god damn it we forgot to exploit the female characters uh put them all in a bathtub together i feel like it's something where they hired a bunch of female actors based on their looks thinking yeah we're gonna get them on stage and then they're all gonna get naked and then they showed up to film, and they were like, we're not fucking taking our clothes off. And they're like, but, but it's a horror movie. And they're like, is it in our contract that we have to get naked? No. Oh, well, I don't we're think, not getting fucking naked. I don't think any of these people are professional enough actors that they were making demands on the set. <laughs> I'm not saying they were making demands. I think just everybody was too dumb to think about it. Like, 
the girls agreed to be in the movie not thinking that they would ask them to be naked. And the guys put them in the movie not never thinking that the girls would not want to get naked. No. We're, we're trying to get work out. we're trying to get inside the heads of these actors and filmmakers, and maybe we shouldn't make assumptions. But I did think it was it was weird because everything else about this movie is so typical '80s slasher. And then I'm like, oh, where's the like night? It's nighttime. Shouldn't they all go separate into different rooms of this <laughs> giant house and have sex? And one of them gets killed, but nobody else knows because they were busy having sex. Yeah. yeah. I would say this is a good uh, background movie if you're having like a Halloween party and you just want to throw in a nondescript slasher movie that's got cheesy enough stuff that you can snicker at it every once in a while, but but not be distracted by it. Oh, you could easily forget this movie's on because it's pretty bland, and you know, it's they spend a lot of it with just like two characters constantly saying everything is, seems to be going wrong we should call the police and then every other character going ah you're just crazy and that happens for a long time throughout the middle of this movie three or four people have been murdered we should probably get out of here nah. <laughs> but see here's the thing during that whole middle part where the like the two that are I think it's like I know the one guy the guy character's name was Doug I don't remember the girl character's name they keep going back to like, oh, everything seems weird and odd. And it's like, but actually nothing does. Like the only thing that they have reference to is the fact that the, what is he like? Uh, they call him a security guard at one point. They call him a caretaker at one point. He lives in the trailer next to the big house. They don't know where that guy is, but there's no reason why they should know where that guy is. He's not part of their group. So that's the only evidence they have that things are, are amok, and they want to go straight to the cops with that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so I'm like, terrible. I was all on board with the guy who just kept saying, fuck it, let's have a beer. <laughs> well, I just like the guy that goes out to uh, to the shed and finds a very uh, footprint that you would see like on Scooby-Doo, <laughs> like in the dirt, and he just leans over, he bends down, he's like, hmm... And then just gets up and walks away. Perhaps this could be a clue for later. <laughs> I'll tell you what, but later, whenever the cop leaves the money footprint, he's like, oh, it's the same footprint! <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie... Well, so, this movie has, like, really bad foreshadowing, but then it also has, like, they go off into the woods and they find those crosses built, and you're like, why would anyone build these crosses out here? That's weird. And later, all the fucking people are crucified on those crosses, and it is fucking cool. Like, that reveal scene was neat. You guys are gonna agree with me, right? Yeah. This yeah. movie is terrible. You didn't, like the, the, you didn't like the scene with all the corpses hanging on the thing, and the one guy who was killed by having a nightstick jammed down his throat, it was still sticking out his mouth, even though he's hanging on a cross? Nah. I, think that was I know cool. this movie's terrible, but it's so fucking fun. I don't understand yeah. why you can't watch it and not have fun with how just fucking awkward it is. I started watching it and got about half an hour in, and I was about to fall asleep, so I went and took a nap, and then I came back and watched the, the last hour of it, and still got really bored and almost fell asleep again. <laughs> a lot of the stuff with the where there's no killing going on, I agree with you, is not great. You're just getting through it to get to the to get. But I think the actual kills are good. I think the actual the 
like I say, the reveal scene of all the bodies hanging on the crosses is good. And, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I just, I don't think it's as bad as you're making it sound. I kind of want that guy's laugh to be the ringtone on my phone. <laughs> oh, that'd be the worst ringtone ever. Again, if that guy had shut up, he would have been a much better character. Every time I get a text, it just goes, Laura, Laura. <laughs> see, I just want to see the sequel from watching the trailer. Because at least the guy was funny in the trailer for the second one. Well, we'll talk about that whenever we get to things we watch. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> to say the trailer is great when he's got the guy up on the roof and he's like, you have the right to remain silent, which if you didn't would be really weird because you're dead. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't even know if he was trying to be funny in this movie or if he was trying to be intimidating or if he was trying to walk the line and be both, but he failed at whichever one of those things he was trying to do. I would say, judging judging by the way that the movie plays out, this movie is probably 100% the fault of the director. It's just my impression of it, because it sure seems like, especially, like I said, we'll talk about the sequel in a minute, but the dude who plays the cop's performance is so much fucking better in the next movie, and he plays the same character. Like, he doesn't change that much about him. It's just the lines he's delivering and the timing and all that kind of stuff is so much fucking better. Yeah, maybe, and maybe that is like a director getting a performance out of him. Now, the director also wrote the script, right? Yes. It's like, okay, okay, so then we can put it all on him. Because a lot of that stuff with those young people in the middle, that's very poorly written, and that's not necessarily the actor's fault. Like... Hey, where did all of our beer go? Well, Again. so said he was going to go get beer if we ran out. Did anybody else? This is another problem I had with the movie. This this really got to me. They're like, they, they get to this vacation home. They're all on vacation, hanging out by the pool all day. And then they're like, the beer's gone. And they're like, that's impossible. We couldn't have drank a case and a half already. That's, there's six of them there. They've been there all day, hanging out by the pool. That's six beers a person to get to a case and a half. Of course they could drink that in a day. That's ridiculous. What kind of shitheads are these? <laughs> Little sissy kids. Come on, man. Uh, 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 just annoyed by their ability to drink. Who, who the fuck even brought 36 beers for six people for to go away for a week? Who's doing that? <laughs> but, like, I mean, I, like I'm going away for a week. I'm taking that much just for myself, and I'm going with like family and kids and stuff not just a group of friends <laughs> hanging out by the pool all day oh, so upsetting to me <laughs> so I'm calling this movie terrible and saying like all this stuff the thing Doug's really mad about is the amount of beer consumption in this movie <laughs> like, it was ridiculous uh, and I'm saying as long as you like bad movies recommend this is a good bad movie I I'm not even going to, because I don't like bad movies, generally speaking, but I do like slashers, and I'm willing to put up with all the bad dialogue and bad acting and stuff that goes along with direct-to-video slashers just to see the kills and the cheesy reveal scene and the little fight scene between your 
final girl and your killer. And I think all that stuff works okay in this movie. It's not a great example of a slasher movie, but you know, I've seen so many slasher movies, I'm running out of new ones to watch. So this was a first time watch. I enjoyed it as a one time watch of a, of a slasher movie. Did uh, mm-hmm. when you were going through your list of how oddly parallel these two movies are, did we did you throw out the fact that both are defeated by impalement? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's true. Well, we, you know, I'll take it a step further. We believe both are defeated by impalement, but really neither are defeated. So, <laughs> uh, for the purposes of the story, they're defeated by impalement, but yes. we know right away that that's not true. Well, and again, that's another typical slasher thing. Just keep your killer alive at the end so that you don't have to write an awkward beginning to your sequel where you explain it later. Because <laughs> this is what, like, 89, right? Yeah. So in 88, Halloween 4 came out where they had to awkwardly bring Michael Myers back after killing him in Halloween 2. <laughs> and then they killed him at the end of Halloween 4 and then it made a ton of money and they were immediately trying to think of ways to bring him back for Halloween 5. <laughs> so these guys saw that and were like, well, we'll just make sure that our killer is still standing at the end so we don't have to go through all that. If all else fails, we can make him a druid. Uh, Psycho druid cop. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. We do uh, actually have a we have a correction to make from last week's show. Oh yeah? Yeah. Cause we talked about high spirits last week. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Daryl Hannah's uh, Irish accent. Yeah. Well, the very next day, I had an Irish person over for lunch and actually had a conversation with somebody with a real Irish accent. We were not nearly harsh enough on Daryl Hannah. <laughs> 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 it is way worse than we made it sound. <laughs> so Daryl Hannah's accent wasn't just atrocious. It was horribly racist. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, it was really bad. It was like, and it was really hard to have a conversation with an Irish person the next day and not be like, holy shit, do you know how much I want to call my guys, my, these guys up right now and rehab this discussion so I can be meaner to Daryl Hannah. <laughs> I love that your form of a correction is we were kind of mean to her. We were not merely mean enough about her accent. <laughs> well, if those things had happened in reverse order, if I'd, if, if I'd had those friends over for lunch and then the next day we'd had the the podcast, uh, I, I would have been much meaner. So I feel like it's important in case we have Irish listeners that they're up. They're like, why aren't they more offended by her accent? Be like, well, we should have been. That was on us. Now, now all I can imagine is like Doug sitting in bed with a big gulp, looking like uh, Ben Stiller from Dodgeball, going, "Fucking Daryl Hannah." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what's your, what's your point? <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, 
So, so Doug, did you watch anything else? Um, yes, I have a couple of things. <laughs> okay. Let me call up my list here. I'm trying to remember. Want to make sure I don't repeat the stuff that I talked about last week because we are recording so close together. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, technically, the other episode is not up yet. So if you want to go on a rant about Daryl Hannah, <laughs> you can just edit it in. <laughs> I feel my point's been made. <laughs> um. So what have I watched since then? Uh, so I watched. Uh, Mother exclamation point. Oh, Aaron yeah. Aronofsky film. Yeah. Um it is one of the weirdest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys have you either of you guys seen it or thank, thank God you didn't just fucking do the oh my god, this movie's amazing thing because I was gonna be like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> so you didn't like it? Here's my opinion of that movie is that movie is a beautifully shot well-acted pile of shit. <laughs> like, it is pretentious Aronofsky garbage. It's bad. And, and everyone who thinks it's a smart movie is dumb for thinking it's a smart movie. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. I, I'm not... No. no I was about ready to say, man, it's such a smart movie. No, I wasn't going to say that at all. Like, I was going to... I had the word pretentious in, in mind when I was going to bring it up. I think it definitely crosses the line into like pretentious art house cinema, but it is amazingly well made, and it's like it, and I agree with that. It's super cool to watch, even though I have no fucking clue what it's about, and like I rewound parts of it and rewatched them, and I still have no fucking clue what it's about, which is it's a problem. Like, and it's that's what that's the difference between like that's what pushes it over that line into pretentiousness i think it's like i shouldn't have to go like i shouldn't have had to study something else in order to understand symbolism in this movie to understand the basic plot line of it um but man there's there's some violence in this movie that is so well done that it is just it's so fun to watch and it's not fun to watch in like the way Psycho Cop is fun to watch. Just impressive to see on screen. And I, I really wish there'd been a, a stronger narrative so that I could say this was a great movie because it's a greatly made movie. But uh, I kind of, I don't agree with Noah's position that any of our listeners who enjoyed it are stupid people. That's, <laughs> I no, do you're think. You're not stupid for enjoying it. You're stupid if you talk about how smart the movie is. I, I do think reality. there's probably a bunch of stuff in this movie that went over my head that makes complete sense to Darren Aronofsky when he's high writing scripts but it's yeah you shouldn't I should be able to understand the plot of your movie even if I don't understand all the symbolism and stuff in it and I think this movie just completely lacks the plot I think I think part of your uh, problem with interpreting it might be that the movie has a whole lot of undertones about religious fundamentalism, and I don't know how many Southern Baptists you guys have in Canada. Well, we have a surprisingly lack of Southerners in Canada because we're in the North, by definition. Um, 
I still haven't watched it yet because you know, I, I want to, but I know I have to be in a certain mind frame to really sit down and watch it. I just haven't yeah. yet. So, so I, I don't know. I it's a hard one to know whether to recommend it to people or not. I think I would say if you're going to be as angry as Noah is, then no, don't. Like, well, no. Here's, here's the whole thing too. I'd still recommend it to people, especially like film students. It is a beautiful movie, and every actor in that movie does an amazing job. Yeah, it's just the script and the entire onus of the movie is pretentious shit, <laughs> which angers me. It angers me that somebody could make a movie that should be fucking amazing because of how well crafted it is. And still make a bad movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't really. I mean, I wouldn't. Again, I wouldn't choose to use the word you're using, um, but I can't really argue with the point you're making, which is that like it, it is somewhat nonsensical, and it's when it's this well made, you would hope that it would not be, because um, you look at Aronofsky's films, like, like my favorite film of his is The Wrestler. It has a lot of themes and tones to it that aren't going to be obvious to the people who watch it just because they like the scenes where everyone's fighting. But the, there is a, a logical narrative story that goes on in that movie. And there is a, a character and sort of a character arc that happens and all that kind of stuff that is more traditional filmmaking. And then you go to this movie and it's like, well, it's still really well made, but it has none of that traditional plot line and none of that traditional character development that makes a movie watchable by more than just film students. So I'm not surprised that a lot of people don't like this movie. I'm also not surprised that a lot of people who enjoy pretentious filmmaking do like this movie. Um, it, it really is like a, a David Lynch movie, but made by Darren Aronofsky. So, I don't know. Do with that what you will. I don't know if I'm recommending it to people or not. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. That's what it is. If you if you want to watch it, watch yeah, it. That's what I'd say. See, I, in my opinion, I would say comparing it to Lynch is a little odd because I think I think visually it's Lynchian, but the the fact that Aronofsky's metaphors are all very fucking direct. If you don't understand what the fuck every scene is a metaphor for you're a psychopath like if you've ever read the bible you should know every fucking thing that happens in this movie from the fucking get-go okay but the bible is like a really really long book yeah and a lot of people haven't read it well you should you should read it in the quran and a couple other fucking religious books so that you know how horse shitty most religion is <laughs> but like like i said if you have a I, I would even call it a basic knowledge. You probably need to know the Bible a little better than just the cursory stuff. But I mean, that's all it is. It's she represents Mother Nature. He represents God, and then it's the story of you know how well the planet treats you versus how awful God actually is because he's a fucking psychopathic, you know, self self aggrandizing piece of shit. Yeah, I, see, I didn't get. I mean, I, I figured out that the that the uh, the male character was a self-aggrandizing piece of shit, but I didn't figure out that he was supposed to represent God. That didn't make sense to me. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's God. The baby's Jesus, you know, and they all hailed him as the Messiah and then tear him apart. 
That makes sense when you say that, because then they eat him. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, they eat a baby in this movie. What? God oh, oh, graphically. <laughs> yeah, it, and I probably shouldn't have spoiled that. It just kind of, because I was trying to work my way through this god metaphor. Because now that you're saying it, yeah, I see that. That's it's it, yeah. Once, once, once you realize that he's god and she's mother nature, the entire movie just is, like I said, predictable. I predicted what that movie, the ending of that movie five seconds into it. Man, this sounds like one of the smartest movies I'm ever going to see. The second he put the little crystal on the fucking mantelpiece, I was like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> like right. I said, I was, and I think part of it also why I'm disappointed is because a, a lot of people are going to accuse me of just being one of the people that hates Aronofsky. It's not true. I like almost all of his movies. This movie is bad. Bad movie. <laughs> It's a good movie and it's a bad movie. I don't understand how those two things can exist at the same time, but they do. Maybe that was on purpose. It's the opposite of a, a good bad movie. You know what I mean? This is a bad good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he's just fucking with you. Maybe that might be it. Maybe it's maybe it's like that asshole that made that movie that uh, showed at the DZ Film Festival one year, Coyote. Remember that one? That guy. <laughs> Fuck him in his face. I'm friends with him on Facebook. <laughs> He's not a bad guy. And once again, I think the same thing of him. His his movie was very well crafted, but it was a big fuck you to the audience. So it's a big fuck you to him for saying fuck you to the audience. I don't know. Now that you explained the metaphor to me, I actually think Mother works much better as a film and i think perhaps being from a more religious culture you're more um prone to understanding it and so therefore you should be appreciating the film more i don't know i think you've you've actually you've actually convinced me to like this movie more by calling it shitty three times in a row (laughs) oh i actually kind of want to rewatch it with that in mind now how dare you piggyback my hate into joy yet again A lot of times, if you're unhappy, I end up being happy about it, one way or another. I'm not sure how it works. Like you said, I think I, I think the opposite. See, I think right now you think it works better, and I think if you rewatch that movie, you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, that metaphor is so fucking like literally boring." Like, because like I said, it's just literal. It's a literal metaphor to the entire movie, which is dumb. I think it's I, I take that back. I think it's dumb that the movie pretends that it's a failed metaphor when it's not. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a veiled metaphor for for Doug. Yeah. Again, I think um Don't hate the movie because you're too smart, Noah. I don't think he's too smart. I think he's just obsessive and read too much of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. I've read three different translations of the Bible. What the fuck is wrong with me? I don't know. We've been trying to figure that out for like 40 episodes or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, it is. I mean, I can understand. I, I don't know if Americans recognize this about yourselves, but you're a much more religious culture than most modern Western cultures. And therefore these metaphors might be more obvious to you than they are to the rest of the world because we're just not thinking in religious terms all the time which is why we believe in facts i don't know i do want to say no no that's 100 percent correct 
I do want to say you're you're pretty you're pretty amazing, Doug. This Why? is in fact episode forty. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's where this came from. <laughs> I was, was like, huh? He just said forty. I know we're pretty close. I wonder if this is episode forty. Sure enough. Yeah, you guys will probably fuck with me. You'll like do an extra one when I'm not around and stick it in the middle. <laughs> just to make him wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, are we done yelling at each other about this movie here? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at Aronofsky. Well, I'm sure he listens to this show enraptured. <laughs> He's gonna be sad tonight. He's gonna lay down on his pillow and a single tear is gonna roll out. World <laughs> rocked by another celebrity suicide. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Wasn't that bad. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, the next movie I watched was uh, probably the opposite, maybe the least type of pretentious film that you could imagine. A uh, movie called The Pack from. 2015 it, it's a, a pack of dogs that attack a farmhouse <laughs> and that's the whole movie weird I, I just naturally assumed that was some kind of shitty werewolf movie nope it's just random killer dogs I think they're in Australia which is kind of unfair in Australia if you get attacked by a dog you gotta be going really these are trying to eat me now too <laughs> um but yeah, it's. I mean, this this film is so uninspired and unoriginal that the Wikipedia page, like in the opening two lines, it actually says this is not a remake of the 1977 film called The Pack, which is about killer dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the funny thing about the movie is that once you sit and watch it, it's actually pretty good. If you're interested in seeing a movie about a pack of dogs surrounding a farmhouse and trapping the people inside. This one's actually uh, pretty effective. Mm. And I was pleasantly surprised with it. It was selected by a nine-year-old who shouldn't be allowed to watch it. And by the time Doug, I was done, I was like... Doug's the cool uncle. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like one weekend we went and saw Jurassic World, and the next weekend we sat here in my basement and watched <laughs> the pack because I was like jokingly like you want to watch a movie about killer dogs and she's like yeah like alright right, well, yes. <laughs> what she said yes now we have to it's not yeah. my fault now I, now I gotta watch this movie about killer dogs and I was not happy to watch it but it was uh, yeah it was not bad they did a pretty good job of using trained dogs and then mixing in some puppets for some like close up shots and stuff that like I could pick up on but the nine year old didn't so and uh, the one complaint I had about it is there's supposed to be these wild dogs that attack its farmhouse, but they clearly were trained movie dogs that were groomed on a regular basis. Because I don't think wild dogs that live in the Australian outback are so uh, clean, well taken care of. thought that was a little bit cheesy, but that's pretty nitpicky for this type of movie. Shouldn't they be dingoes? Yes, they should be. I don't know. <laughs> um... I also had like a really proud uncle moment during it because there's like a uh, the one kid in the movie has like this weird tree fort thingy or not it's not in a tree it's on the ground and you get down you crawl through it it's sort of like a maze and at the beginning of the movie he's obviously crawling through it and 
my niece goes, well, that's a, a good spot to get trapped by dogs. And I thought, that's awesome. She's starting to understand foreshadowing. <laughs> She's, she recognizes that they only have the kid in the fort right now so that later he can be trapped in that fort, getting chased by a dog. I was very proud of her. Like, oh, you're good at pointing out very obvious, obvious foreshadowing. Good no, for a nine-year-old, it's good. Uh, that's what I'm saying, yeah. For, Just no, picking it up early. For us, it would... Well, for us, it would still be an accomplishment because we're dumb, but, you know. <laughs> um, and I watched one other movie, and I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce the name of it. So bear, bear with me while I try to sound this one out. Precious. Uh, it's the monster of Mangatiti. Does that sound right to you guys? Uh, from remembering to seeing it on your Instagram, yes. Okay. So this is a this is a weird one because I went into it because I watched the trailer and the trailer does not necessarily let you know that this is what you're in for. But it's one of these docudrama ones where they've got an actual person telling their story and then they cut to dramatized version of the events. Um, and the story is, is this woman um, who was... She basically answered an ad to serve as a live-in tutor for this kid on this like ranch in the middle of New Zealand. Um, she's supposed to have to go live there for six months and basically give, do homeschooling for the kid. And basically she was taken as a prisoner by her father and repeatedly raped and abused for several months until she escaped. So it's a happy movie. Yeah, yeah, real happy-go-lucky stuff because you've got the actual woman uh, telling the story. Like, she's older now. This happened in the 80s She's, yeah, she's telling the story and she mentions that it took her 20 years or something to finally go to the police after she had escaped and uh, afterward when the police did the investigation they found out this had happened to several other women as well um, this guy was kind of a serial kidnapper uh, but it's uh, it has some really interesting things to it because obviously it's horrific um, some relatively extreme balance of it although not exploitative like it's not like that um, but then it delves into weird issues like the guy is also in a custody battle for one of his kids so he's like forcing her to like go and testify in court and lie and say he's like this great father <laughs> which is something that wouldn't happen this if it weren't a true story um, but because it's a true story and that's a thing that actually happened it actually blended it in which is weird um, where the movie kind of isn't great is when it comes to so the the victim is speaking camera and telling her story and saying how she was basically like psychologically held prisoner like she's on this like giant open ranch where she couldn't she didn't feel like she could physically walk out of there but she never really tried and she kind of even one time when a couple times when she when she was in town with the guy wouldn't try to get him run because she sort of felt like she was 
she felt trapped to the point where she couldn't get away. And obviously that's horrible, and when she's saying it, it's horrible. But because they have the ability to have her say it, they don't really show it in the narrative structure of the dramatized part. You kind of just have to run with it. And that's a bit of a failing of the film, I thought. But if the objective of the film is more of a documentary than I guess having her say it gets the information out there. It's just... Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying not to say anything mean about this woman because she's <laughs> obviously had enough. Like, but you know what I mean? Like, I, like see, you know, in a, in a movie, you want to see it, not hear it, right? Yeah. And because they have her telling the story, they're able to just sort of say it. Show it. And considering they do go ahead and show enough of the violence, you would think they could take the time to show that as well. It's also a relatively short thing. It's like an hour and ten minutes or something. But they could have added in some scenes helping to explain that. But I don't know. It's a it's a very disturbing story about this thing that happened to this poor woman, and apparently to some other women as well. And yeah, I don't know if you're in, interested in like true crimey stuff, but maybe documentaries aren't your thing. This might be a way to learn about the story. If you're not interested in learning about real life horror because you go to horror movies as a way to escape reality, then probably stay away from it. I'm having a lot of trouble knowing whether to recommend things or not. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough one because I don't want to say people should watch it and then they watch it and they're like, oh, that was very upsetting. Well, yes, it is. It is very upsetting. It's supposed to be and it should be. And if you're not upset by it, then that's a real problem. Yeah, fuckers. What? Fuckers, just I'm not, I'm not as mean to the audience as you guys are. Listen, we love those fuckers. <laughs> this feels like you guys are trying to now like show not tell the psychological torture. Look, you're a fucker, but I love you. And that's how you, <laughs> you trick the listeners into coming back every week for more abuse. It's an abusive relationship. <laughs> All so right, well, if we didn't want to abuse ourselves, we wouldn't be making a podcast. I don't think you're abusing yourself. You're abusing the poor innocent listeners. Don't try to make yourself in the victim here. Although luckily we don't uh we don't get hate mail about mouth sounds. <sighs> like every other podcast does. Probably but should. We, we haven't gotten feedback in like ten episodes, so <laughs> Please write in and complain about our mouth sounds. We need to really ramp up them mouth sounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for the record, yeah, it's not because we don't have the same problem of having mouth sounds in our podcast. It's because our listeners are nice enough not to complain. Mm. That's why we don't get that. I just figured it was because I was sitting far enough away from my microphone that it doesn't pick up my mouth sounds. Oh, it does. Don't you listen to the show? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> the first bit. Anyways, what did you uh, what did you watch this week, Noah? Uh, well, first I watched Psycho Cop Two because you knew I was gonna. Yeah, I almost watched that today. And I'll tell you what, I really fucking like it. I really like Psycho Cop Two, and not the same way that I thought the first one was fun. Like this one's actually a fucking enjoyable movie. They just, it's its kind of like the 
first movie with uh, instead of bad acting, it's typical okay shitty horror movie acting, which that's that's its thing, you know, that's fine. Uh, but they ramp up the gore, and they ramp up naked ladies, which just pretty much fixes it. And the humor's better. Like, the humor actually lands a bunch. Instead of just him going, ha, 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 serve and protect. Ha, 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 ha. That's not a joke. <laughs> just said a thing. So the jokes are actually jokes. That's the big like selling feature of the next movie. What? No. Jokes are jokes. Gore and boobs. If I can't tell you on a slasher movie with gore and boobs, you will... I, you don't like slasher movies. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, no. You've, I'm, I mean, I'm going to watch it now. You've sold me. It's not the issue. <laughs> yeah, but basically, so it's, it's kind of the same basic premise of a isolated group being picked off. But instead of them being out in a cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere, instead it's a bunch of guys who work together. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure what they're supposed to be doing. You know, typical like office tie kind of job. But they pay off the doorman to let them sneak back into the office to throw one of the guys at bachelor party in the office. So it's basically them and strippers being harassed by psycho cops. All right. So you would say Die Hard with the Psycho Cop? Yeah, Die, die Hard with Psycho Cop. Oh, I'm convinced. Yeah, that was, it, was really, it was really fucking fun. I started watching it, and Char like, saw me. She goes, oh my god, are you really going to watch the sequel to that terrible movie? And I was like, no, I am. <laughs> Do you know? That's when Noah goes, you know who you moved in with. <laughs> you, you loved me for a reason, and this is not that reason. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how she could have been surprised. I was going to watch all the Maniac Cop movies. I didn't really have time. Uh, I did finish off Luke Cage. It was awesome. I don't know. It, it's hard to compare it to like some of the Daredevil stuff just because the fight scenes in Daredevil are so you know, amazingly put together. But probably it's at least the second best season of uh, Netflix Marvel shows. Not sure how I feel about the ending. I won't spoil it. They don't because some of us haven't gotten there yet. Don't. Some of us still haven't watched second season of Jessica Jones yet. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to spoil it. That'd be fucked. That'd be fucked. That's, that's comic book code, son. Don't do well, that shit. Someone told me that they do some stuff in the movie Mother just not even ten minutes ago. Yeah, but he's Canadian. He doesn't know any better. He doesn't know our customs. But so I watched that. Uh, I watched about half of the second season of Glow. Mm. Me and Amanda finished it in two days. Yeah, still really good. So good. I was worried that they wouldn't be able to keep up. Did you get to the episode where the whole episode is just like an actual episode of Glow? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Uh, it's the best. Like the like, Obviously, it's truncated down to half an hour, but the entire episode plays out like an old episode of Glow. That sounds awesome. I just I just ended uh, where she uh, she gets all fucked up and hurts the other girl in the ring. Mm, yeah, it might be the next episode then. Yeah, so I'm right. I'm right there. Uh, so watch that. That was really good. And then for some reason we ended up watching uh, Pirates of the Caribbean: uh, uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Uh, 
I'm not a huge Pirates of the Caribbean fan. Uh, but this this one was actually like okay. I mean, it's it's the same plot that all of them are. There's people. There's a curse. They need to go find the magic thing to stop that curse. And and they get the magic thing and they stop the curse. Yay! Like what? Whoop de doo. Uh, that's, that's all I have to say about it. It's got the usual over-the-top action pieces. It's really dark. I think that's my biggest complaint about the movie. Like the actual like lighting in the movie is really dark, and they're trying to do these like action things where like there's a part where he's supposed to be running along the side of the ship on the cannons. You know what I'm talking? About? But it's pitch black, so you can't hardly fucking see it, which renders it pointless. You know. But that's pretty much it. So that that was that. If you like Pirates of the Caribbean, you're probably going to like it, because it's the same fucking movie. They've made it five times. Yeah. I Those movies aren't for me. Figured that out a long time ago. So. I liked the first one. I liked yeah, the first one, too, and it was the second one that just threw me off completely. Pretty much in the second one, when they're doing that scene where they're all inside a giant ball rolling around, and I was just like... I know I'm in a movie theater, but like, is there a way I can get a remote and flip to something else? Because <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Uh, well, I watch a shit ton of stuff. Uh, let's see. Uh, so I finally went and saw Solo. Oh yeah. Uh, which I thought was okay. It's not great. It's not horrible. It's just, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the biggest problem with it. Do you see what I was saying about it before now, though? Like, it's pretty obvious that they made a terrible movie and then just like, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. <laughs> they're like, okay, we got it fixed enough that it doesn't really ruin shit. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um,. My biggest problem was it just didn't feel like Han Solo, like the main character, which is disappointing, but... See, for me, the biggest problem was just those really stupid moments that stuck out every now and again, mm -hmm. such as when they assigned him the name Han Solo. It was just dumb. It was, like, so dumb that I couldn't ignore it. Or, like, the scene where he speaks in Kashyyyk or whatever the language is called. And I'm just like, no, that's too dumb for me to ignore. It don't. There weren't enough good moments that were like, oh, that's so cool that it offset those. Did Did you just say that Han Solo speaks Wookiee language? Yeah, that is upsetting. It that's, It was upsetting to me too. And that's that's literally enough of a reason for me not to watch that movie. So you cut out, Noah. I couldn't hear what you said. What What were you, what, your, what was your question? I was asking if he just said that Han Solo spoke in the Wookiee language out loud. Yes, he does. And and then I said, that's enough for me not to watch this movie. The thing that's is, okay, all it takes. In the scene where it, it happens is a really cool scene. And they just screw it up with that. And I think it's being it's supposed to be a joke, right? But it feels like it feels like a joke from a Lego movie. And jokes from Lego movies don't belong in live-action Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. 
So maybe hire the Lego guys to do the Lego Star Wars movie and let them make the types of jokes that belong in that type of movie. And don't hire them to do giant live-action blockbusters. Which I believe they didn't make the Lego movie 2 to make this movie. Yeah, see, and that's now the Lego movie 2 is coming out without them having directed it. And, well. Yeah, they should have. Wasted time on this. They should have took that Lego money. Yeah. Because it's just. Now, there were. I thought there was some fun stuff in Solo. Like, I thought the Droid Rebellion, the Droid Rights Movement. That was pretty like, fantastic. I, a great idea. They could If they'd spent more time on it, it could have been great. Yeah. And it I thought, like. Thrown together at the end. Yeah, but a neat idea and kind of addresses one of those questions that's been around in the Star Wars universe for a long time. Um, I liked, and I also did like that, I, f- I can't remember the name of the droid, Lando's droid. Uh, just call her Sassy Robot. Sassy Robot, I liked her. And, and like a lot of people were like, whoa, yeah, another Sassy Robot in Star Wars. And I'm like, yeah, I expect there to be one in every Star Wars movie I see for the rest of my life. <laughs> of course there's one here. Uh, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I thought it was neat. The implication that she has had sex with humans in the past and would consider it again is a nice little <laughs> touch. Um, you know, they do it in a, in a subtle enough way that nobody's like, nobody's asking for visuals or anything. Um, but I mean, yeah, I felt like that storyline could have been delved into better. And, and similarly, like Chewie having to, like, when he teams up with Han, meets up with the other Wookiees that have been that have been uh, enslaved and it's like he has to make that decision to go with Han like that could have been cool cool story moment but it really wasn't because mm-hmm. you could tell they just didn't have the shots they needed and the dialogue they needed to make that work yeah yeah I mean there's stuff I like like I thought the train heist was cool yeah um, the droid rebellion was fun like we said could have done more with it uh, I thought Paul Bettany was awesome as the the villain in this movie. He was good, and apparently he was completely added after the fact. Like oh, that really? role was played by somebody else in the original movie before Ron Howard got involved. <clears throat> yeah, I thought he was really good. I thought his because he was so sinister. Yeah, but like doesn't care about being sinister, which makes it good. No, it's just his natural state of being is yeah. sinisterness. Yeah, so yeah, I really liked him. Uh, Donald Glover as Lando was good. Um, yeah. yeah, it really was just. There was several moments that I thought were just ridiculous too. That I was just like, like when they show how Han Solo got his gun. Yeah. Just like, why is like has that ever been a thing? Has anybody ever wondered where Han Solo got his gun? I don't think so. Like, yeah, his backstory could be interesting. And it could be interesting little adventures they go on. I did hear on another podcast, they sort of complained that um, that sort of everything we know about Han Solo from the original three movies is basically referenced in this one movie. Yeah. Which is a little annoying. Yeah, it's like, don't just give us the checklist of here's where he got his gun, here's where he got his name, here's where this happened, here's where this happened. Like, just don't give us all that shit. Just give us a, yeah. a story. Like it would have been better to just have him meeting up with Lando and going on an adventure. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Um, I also thought Woody Harrelson was really good too. He was. Yeah. That's what I was trying to think of earlier. <laughs> yeah, he his performance was really good, and I figured he was going to be. Uh, not that I thought he was going to be bad, but I just was going to be like, well, like, what's the point of him being here if if he's a smuggler and Han Solo is supposed to be a smuggler? Like, what's the you know what's the payoff going to be? But I actually I actually liked the relationship between Han Solo and whatever yeah, me too. Harrelson's character was. I liked he sort of took him under his wing and taught him some stuff, and I thought I liked that. And there were also several moments where. Chewie and Han interact, and I was just like, they nailed that perfectly. Like, just there was three or four like lines of dialogue throughout the whole movie where it was like, you got it. If you could have captured that and made a whole movie of that, yeah. I, would love it. I mean, the, and the big one is at the end where he says like, he's bragging about making the castle warm and full of parsecs, and Chewie's like makes a noise in the background. And he goes, yeah, but not if you round down, pal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> I, okay. All right. Um, not even sure exactly what that means. <laughs> I did like uh, how he calls him Han. Yeah. How Lando calls him Han, and basically they set it up that that's just him just being a dick and disrespecting him by not actually saying his name correctly. Right. Which then plays in when you if you watch Empire Empire Strikes Back later. Like man, he's still being a dick. The other, thing, right. the other thing I like, we're in full spoiler territory, by the way. I think everyone knows that. But, like, I liked that they uploaded the sassy droid's personality into the Falcon, and that's why the Falcon can't get along with C3DO like 40 <laughs> years later or whatever it is. <laughs> like, to me, there's just something funny about that, and I, like, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That doesn't hurt any element of the saga for me. Because no. it even helps explain, like, when Han Solo talks about, in future movies, when he talks about making the Kessel Run, he talks about this is the ship that made the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. And it really is, when you see the movie, it really is the ship and that droid's brain that's been uploaded to the ship that are able to figure out how to make the trip faster rather than it's not Han who does something great, he pilots it, but it's the ship that figures it out, right? Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense. It was a couple little things like that that just make like one sentence in the other movies a little bit better. Yeah. But it doesn't completely change anything and it doesn't ruin anything. Right. And yeah, I don't know. Like at the end of the day, I think the walking away from Solo, I can go, okay, it was probably a bad idea to do a Han Solo movie. I thought that the day they announced they were going to do yeah. It's definitely a bad idea to hire the Lego guys to get involved. But I think they managed to salvage it enough where nothing was ruined. And go forward from here and make better moves. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I'm watching every Star Wars movie sometime in the future. And I have to sit through this one again. I'm not going to be upset about that. Hopefully it'll make them think twice about some of the other ideas that they've thrown out where they were like, we're going to make a Yoda movie and it's like, don't fucking make it. I don't think we need a Yoda movie. Well, something I read somewhere that they may take a break on these the Star Wars story movies. Yeah, that's the rumor that's around is that they're just... They just need to get get away from the main characters. You can yeah. do whatever the fuck you want in the Star Wars universe and people are going to like it. It's if you change it, it's what pisses people off. So don't fucking use those characters anymore. Yeah. 
No, I mean, that yeah. haven't been said. They, like the Kenobi film that has been rumored forever. People still want to see that. Just make sure you do it right. I think, you know what I mean? And I think the same thing with, with a Boba Fett film. There's potentially good Boba Fett stories to tell out of there. Mm-hmm. Just choose Which to I tell. feel should should be like a lot of what they had in this movie, which is just just make it a heist movie with Boba Fett. Yeah, like just don't that spend the whole, it don't spend the whole movie on telling a, a, a backstory and trying to make it like a biography. Just tell a story about that character or a story that has that character in it. Yeah. I mean, they could do a cool story about like two of the bounty hunters trying to race to get a yeah. particular part. And that would be... And you could even bring in another one of the bounty hunters that everybody likes, like Bosk or IG-88 or something like that. Yeah, you could do that. Which doesn't yeah. Boss get name-dropped in this movie? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, it's been a few weeks since I saw it now. The do other they, thing is... Do they mention something about a crazy Trandoshan that ate his own father? No. Not specifically. <laughs> I think um, they literally are just, why didn't we just hire a bounty hunter? I mean, like, we got Bosk, like, ready to go or something like that. Like, it's a literal name drop. I yeah. just don't remember the context for what it was for. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay, so the big question, again, we're in 100% spoiler territory, so stop now if you don't want to hear this, but... If you haven't watched it yet, you don't care enough. It's probably true, but I don't. I just don't want to eat all that. We, we demanded feedback, and if it's all people yelling at me for spoiling shit next week, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> but No, not. I love it when that happens. Um, but anyways, so Maul is back. Yeah. What, what did you think? About. I was super I'm, happy. Like, like, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm sick of like fanboy anger out there, but like people are complaining because um, lit up his lightsaber and stuff. And I'm like, I don't understand how you're not just happy to see Darth Maul. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. He's got robot legs. He's back. Yeah. I, like all I did was come home and like immediately start googling like the backstory that exists within canon to understand how he got from Episode One to here. Yeah. Which I always said was the one of the biggest problems is Lucas killed him off at the end of Phantom Menace, which makes no sense yeah. to me whatsoever. And, and, you know, before people bother to write in, yeah, I know there's storylines involving him in both of the two cartoon series. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's yeah. like... I just love that it's, it's jumped from there, even though those do count as canon as well. But now it's, you know, it's uh, what's-his-face, the, the guy that played him, playing him again, like, yeah. in live action on the big screen, which is awesome. So apparently, if you're nerdy enough to pick up on it, and I wasn't, I just read it later... It's the actor from episode one, Ray Park, I think is his name. Yeah. But when he speaks, they actually dubbed over the voice of the guy from the cartoons. Oh, interesting. So that's pretty cool. Like, that's yeah. just a, a nod to those, like, for nerds yeah. that actually watch those whole series, which I haven't yet done. I feel bad about not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I had no idea. And that, like again, though, that opens up great possibilities. Because what if like all hires Boba Fett to do some job, and Boba Fett decides not to do it, and now those two have to fight in some future movie? Like mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. 
Oh yeah, I'd be all about it. <sighs> so I, I don't necessarily want that. Like everyone says, oh, get away from that time period or whatever. I don't necessarily think so. I do think get away from reusing major characters from the original trilogy. Mm. Exception of maybe doing your own. You could still have Vader show up in small feature films. Yeah. Yeah, we need to do a. Uh, they need to do a, a Maul versus Darth Vader fight at some point. Apparently, they did it in the comics through some sort of trickery, but yeah. Well, in theory, like at the time that Solo is set, both those characters exist, right? Yeah. Needs to happen. Let's see. Uh, so let's see. Um, I was bored one night, so I watched <laughs> the movie The Stepfather because it's been on my to-watch list forever, and I've always been curious about them. But just so the, never... the original or the remake? The old horror movie, The Stepfather? Yeah, the original with uh, Terry O'Quinn. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's, you know, it was done in the 80s, and the more I started to think about it, I'm like, this is a horror movie about divorce. That's completely what this is. The 80s was all about divorce. Yeah, as we talked about in our Fred Savage episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Terry Quinn is a guy who will get married, try to have the perfect family, and when it doesn't work out, he gets mad, kills his entire family, and then takes on a brand new identity to start over. And it's insinuated throughout the movie that he's done this multiple times, not just the very first scene, which is very fucked up of him washing up in the bathroom, shaving, and then walking down to the living room and you see people just murdered all over the living room, uh, adults and children, and then him whistling as he's going off to work. Uh, and then cut to a year later when he's dating someone else and of course she has an older daughter and for him, it's all about having the perfect family, and of course, everything starts breaking down, and he starts losing it, and he knows he's going to have to kill his family again, and then start all over again. Um, yeah, she just, sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. Terry O'Quinn's really great in it. Um, there's a great, there's a couple. He does an amazing job because. <clears throat> Um, he obviously realizes about two thirds of the way through the movie that, ah, fuck, like this is not working out. So I know I'm going to have to kill my family and then start over again. So he starts setting up his new identity already, knowing that after he kills his family, nice. he just goes completely into his new identity. And then, you know, it's already been established that he's lived in this neighborhood and worked at this place for like six months before anything happened. Um, but you could tell as sort of the movie goes and stuff starts, you know, shit starts happening. He starts uh, forgetting sort of which identity he's locked into. And he even has a mo moment where he slips up in front of his wife and she's like, what are you talking about? And he stops, just, just sort of looks at the floor He's like, wait a minute, like, who am I here? And then 
you know, has to reorient himself to, to which identity he's supposed to be using at that moment. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. I really liked it. Uh, I think I thought, I think it's better than I even thought it was going to be. Like, I always figured out it would be some cheesy movie about a crazy guy who is trying to kill his family. But I think just the level of thought that Terry O'Quinn put into the character, I think really, really helps and really makes it a really cool movie. Did you did you then watch part two? Uh, then I followed it up with The Stepfather, part two. Yeah, Jonathan Brandis, yo. <laughs> That's right. Um... So I guess spoiler alert for the end of Stepfather One, uh, he gets pushed down a flight of stairs and impaled on a part of the uh, banister by the stepdaughter, uh, which they re- recap at the beginning of the movie. But then he wakes up in an insane asylum, clutching his chest where we see a big old scar. Uh, I don't know. Then through s- several shenanigans. He ends up escaping from the insane asylum and getting far enough away that he can once again craft a new identity and then moves to a new neighborhood across the street from a lady and her young son, played by Jonathan Brandis, and starts to insinuate himself in their life to sort of, uh, you know, start the cycle over again. Uh, But this time there's a complication because the ex-husband is still coming around and decides he might want to try to fix their broken marriage, which then Terry Quinn's having none of that. And thus he has to start killing people once again to keep his secret and figure out how he's going to have this perfect family. I love how casually you keep saying he has to. Like, (laughs) no other option. What could you do? No other option. This perfect family thing is just not working out for him. So you just purge and start again. Uh, Not as good as the first one, but still pretty good. Um, For me, though, it's weird because Jonathan Brandis kind of disappears about halfway through the movie. (laughs) And he's constantly, like, over at the the lady's house and, you know, they're trying to start some sort of relationship. And there's just no mention and no sighting of the of the, uh, kid anywhere and then the last like 15 minutes of the movie he just magically shows up again I'm just like where has he been for the last like 45 minutes it's off with the father the father was trying to reconcile well there was parts of that that the father was dead so uh hey, you just know your dad doesn't mean you can't be a good dad bro. so judgmental so. <laughs> Uh, so it's interesting. Like I said, not as good as the first one, but still good. Uh, I have not watched part three yet. And the thing that uh, is making me not too excited is Terry O'Quinn is not in it. Uh, and I do believe that one was a made for TV movie. Oh, really? I think so. Um, and then they explain it by having him get plastic surgery at the beginning <laughs> to look like someone else completely. Look, he's taller and has different hair, and his face is completely <laughs> different because of his plastic surgery. Yeah. So we'll see. But first one I was definitely recommend for me, and I would follow it up with the second one. But third one's going to be touchy. We'll have to see what happens. 
I gotta. I, you're making that movie sound way better than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, it's yeah, it's exactly how I felt too. It's like, ah, oh, this will be just some weird, shitty horror movie that they'll try to make make it make some sort of you know sense in their universe, but they actually do a, a pretty good job, I think, of of his psychology of what he's doing and why he's doing it and all this stuff. So, and Terry Quinn's a good actor, so he actually does a pretty good job. No, I'm wrong. That one, that one wasn't the made for TV. Oh, okay. I think there's just a knockoff of it. Because, you know, these these movies are all based off of uh, an actual guy. Yeah. Yeah. Lent? Is that his last name? Something like that. Yeah, I read it in the... Uh, the movie trivia. Yeah. I think they made another movie about it. It was like a made for TV, like Hallmark. Uh, <laughs> Hallmark horror. Uh, then the last thing I saw, a theater around here was having a late night showing of Reanimator. Nice. So I got a couple, couple friends together and we went and checked it out. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's fucking Reanimator on the big screen. So much fun. And I, as the movie, like before the movie started, and we were all just kind of sitting there, and because uh, this was in uh, Bloomington, which is about forty-five minutes away from my house, and it's a big college town, and a lot of this is like student-run and stuff, um, so there's a lot of like younger s- students there, and I kept hearing people like, "Oh yeah, I don't know, I've never seen this movie before. Like, seems like it's a movie I should like, but I've just never watched it." So it was fun, like, getting to listen to people laugh and have a good time with this movie who had never seen it before. And then, the, of course, the scene pops up, and, like, a lot of people in the audience just lose it. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. Uh, so just reaffirmed how much I love Reanimator and getting to see it with people who had never seen it before. It was a pretty uh, fantastic experience. Uh, they're doing uh, Phantasm next weekend. Nice. But the Joe Bob Briggs 24-hour marathon's on during that time. I don't think I'm going to be able to go see it, fortunately. <sighs> but here in the beginning of August... Uh, our theater does this uh, flashback cinema thing, which I think is like a just a program they buy that I think theaters nationwide can do. But beginning of August, they are showing uh, Big Trouble in Little China, <laughs> and I'm like, I am so going to, to see Big Trouble in Little China on the big screen. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. It's just funny because they show like. A montage of clips of the movies they sort of advertise like a month at a time of the movies they're going to be doing and it's like breakfast at tiffany's and uh some other like widely regarded classic movie and then there's fucking uh, jack burton <laughs> like opening the door and seeing all the henchmen there and he shuts it he's like we may be in trouble i'm <laughs> 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 just like fuck right i'm so excited I've already told a couple friends of mine, they're like, fuck, yes, we were going to see Big Trouble Little China on the big screen. Isn't it amazing how, like, 
theaters are having trouble attracting people. <laughs> but you can throw up old movies in the 80s and we're all still like, yeah, we'll go base to see that, of course. <laughs> of course. Well, the, the awesome thing is I think my movie pass covers it. So nice. I can get to see it for free. See if I can convince Noah to drive up on a Sunday. Depends, ah. how, depends how well he's getting along with his dog at the time. <laughs> That's true. I was, was going to say it depends on what time the movie starts. Seven. Maybe. Maybe. It's a late night for uh, uh, going into a Monday. Oh, shut your mouth. You got 45 minutes of sleep last night. <laughs> All right, you guys can negotiate whether you're going to the movies together or not. Uh, <laughs> off mic. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, well, Doug, why don't you tell us what we're doing next episode? Uh... Oh, next episode we're uh, we're dedicating a show to Mario Bava. It's sort of a classic of exploitation cinema, if you will. And we're going to be doing Baron Blood and A Bay of Blood, which are two of his big name ones. Really mainstream movies by Mario Bava standards. And they both have blood in the title. Yeah, yeah, I think that's how we picked them. <laughs> Probably that seems like something we would agree on. A lot of yeah. it's a lot of B consonants. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have seen these ones. I've never seen them, so I'm excited. Never seen either one. I'd oh. be curious to get your thoughts specifically on a Bay of Blood. I think you'll be you'll find something very interesting that happens in that movie. Um, but we'll discuss it next week. Yeah, sure. Uh, anything else exciting happen to you guys? No. No. Besides Noah fighting with his dog. My dog, my dog's ass exploded. <laughs> oh, good for that dog. I just wish you knew how to aim it. Oh my god, I don't know what was wrong with it too. Because you know, you know when it, like animals are sick, and all of a sudden their like grossness becomes so much grosser. That's that's what happened. Like that smell was like, oh my god, fuck. Like what happened inside of you? Yeah. That's why you should have a good dog like me. Trade you. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> you guys want to know a, a secret? If you have no dogs, don't deal with any dog shit ever. Yeah, but you got a kid. Yeah, I was going to say, you're wiping up human shit. <laughs> there are. Yeah, but. I don't, I don't think I don't think the implication that human shit is inherently worse than dog shit is appropriate. I think I'd rather deal with human shit than dog shit. No, that, that came out of another person, yo. That's way too personal. Yeah. And a dog just goes outside. Yeah, but you gotta go out there to pick it up. Eh. Kid sometimes, at least keeps it in a diaper. Sometimes the rain will take care of it. Oh, you're good, one of those people. Good for your guard. You're one of those people who thinks that your house doesn't smell like dog shit when people walk by. <laughs> like, no, no, it rained, so it's fine. No, your house, just, that just spread it around. Your whole yeah. area smells you like spray shit. spray it with that bacterial stuff, and then it just dissolves. Yeah, see? Totally. I mean, I don't do that, but totally. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. 
We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.